and wait and wait. And baby, I'm TFC Telanja. Hello and welcome to Toronto Till I Die, the Toronto FC fan show. I'm Mike Newell and it's our season preview show. We made it. Are you ready? Are you hyped? We are on the eve of the 2023 MLS season and Toronto FC have retooled. Um, they've done a lot in the offseason. A little slow start, but eventually got there. Do they have enough to challenge the LAFCs, Austins, Philadelphias, NYCFCs of the league? We'll find out over the next uh, hour or so with our special guest, John Molinaro, who will join us in a few minutes. You know him. You love him. Uh, the uh, creator and uh, the principal of Toronto TFC Republic. Um, what we're also going to be doing on the show, we're just going to go over some new things that are happening in MLS. Uh, get to give you some odds and what some players are going to be doing this season. And... Yes, gentlemen, you will have to submit some predictions on how Toronto FC will do this coming mm -hmm. season. We all love predictions and love showing how wrong we are uh, once mm. the season is done. There's a lot to get into, but of course, as always, uh, my co-hosts are Jeffrey P. Nesker and Michael Singh. Gents, how you doing? How's the last week been? And are you ready for the start of this season? Are we ready, Jeffrey P. Nesker? I saw you with your kit drops. Your classic yes. Wake in the Red article. Can't wait to dive mm -hmm. into that. Uh, but yeah, you know, it feels like this this season in particular with, I want to say it's like the first sort of normal season for Toronto FC since the pandemic. Like even last year, I remember when we're going to, to training and everything like that, it was still masks on. It was yep, yep. very much like keep your distance. Well, you know, I don't think we've got back to, to normal normal where it definitely feels like the most normal since the pandemic. So with that naturally comes a buzz. You hear about TFC and they seem like they're excited with uh, welcoming fans back and how there's a, there's a buzz among the fan base. It's, it is exciting, Mike. And it feels, uh, it feels surreal that the off season just blew by just like that. Yeah, I echo the sentiment and I didn't get to go away for a week long vacation. So I've just been holding the fort up here, not eating deep dish pizza or Cubano sandwiches. Um, and yeah, yeah, no, I feel I feel great. Uh, I'm, I'm bullish about this. I've done a few uh, podcast hits over the week and uh, I'm pleased to report that the general consensus in uh, independent MLS media is also pretty bullish about Toronto FC. Uh, tore through some of the season preview game previews on the old uh, Apple TV plus today. And uh, the general consensus is pretty bullish, but uh, as we all know, it can fall apart just as quickly. So, so polarizing. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so no, polarizing. I mean, really, I think... really? No, I was, I watched ESPN FC and uh, Hercule Gomez yeah. said that we're going to win the supporter shield this year, which I thought was a really, really awesome shout. Um, and uh, who was it? Twelman and Jillian Sakovitz on the, on the season preview, uh, yeah. they had some nice things to say. You know, I think Taylor Twalman was saying, you know, if we see the Insignia and Bernadeschi we saw for the 11 or so games we saw last season, we're in for a real treat. So, yeah, let's go. Let, LFG, guys, let's go. And, you know? Yeah, I, I feel like that is the sentiment. We'll get into this in the show, but uh, there's a lot of, like, optimism. But at the same time, there also is this, you know, 
don't look down too far uh, because if you look down, you might the floor. You might realize the floor is not there, um, and and that feels like the the sentiment of TFC this season, as you've said, Mike, in other shows, right? Like this eleven should be able to stack up against just about anybody in the league. It's what comes after that, um, and, mm-hmm. and we'll see as we go along during the season how that holds up and if that holds true um, throughout the regular Thanks for season. Watching my stuff, Mike. Yeah, of course. That, you and Tommy Scoops, you and Tom Bogert on uh, uh four four two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Toots, shout that Toots out. McGirtz. Yeah, I yeah. can't. I can't bring his quote up because I don't have uh, admin power. But I yeah, gotcha. Turts McGirtz was uh, like, was saying the same thing. Self plug. No, man. Shamelessly self plug. Please. The, the the interview was really good with Tom Bogert. You really dived into a couple of things with TFC, including the Michael Bradley love hate relationship that seems to be I out there. To. Um, we yeah, absolutely, yeah. and I think there's going to be a lot of that this season because there is a feeling that this might be the end or the last season for Michael Bradley. The terminator. Oh my God! Let's not even entertain that. Like honestly, until he decides, I don't. Even, he's here until until he tells. Well, us he's here until he, he dies, us, you know? right? Like he's here until yeah, he pretty much. Like he wants. He is. To he is actually tfc till he dies so you know we might we might as <laughs> yeah, well literally be a mask i just hope it, yeah yeah exactly exactly perfect perfect yes uh you know we both I, mike how was the deep dish in chicago you, you oh, took a little children man. to chicago how was that yeah i feel i feel like i can do just a whole podcast on just how good chicago is what you, mm-hmm. best US it's it's Holy so what? it's so sick a isn't it city. yeah it's so so the so food, sick. the service yeah. everything was incredible there i i ended mm. up going to giordano's uh, pizza. Yeah, oh, yeah. Every, everybody yeah. does. Yeah, every Chiche, yeah, yeah. Chicago deep dish mm-hmm. spot. It was really good. You can only eat one of those though. There's yeah. they're probably you can so only eat one slice. I mean, one pizza. I don't. It's like the Cheesecake Factory. If you finish a pizza, they give you an award or something. Like they all get around the table. Was yeah. the other spot too? Mm-hmm. And okay. uh, yeah. I never, I never made it out to that, but I've heard really good things. But man, ten out of ten recommend Chicago for anybody who wants to. Make yeah, it. yeah. You got to go to Giordano's Expensive, first. Next though. time, go. Next time, go to the hipster pick, but you got to go. If you don't go to Giordano's, then you, you that's you, the thing. You know, we only you got no base. You, ha- you have no baseline, you know, now you and have trust a me. We ate yeah. as much as we possibly could. We did not leave. You didn't even like a quarter. Chicago. Yeah. It's Chicago. It's Chicago. You didn't yeah, get yeah. close. Yeah. I, I also recommend um, if you can go for a Chicago Fire TFC away day. Great weekend away. Great weekend for an away game. Then. You can do it expensive. Or you can do it on the cheap either way mm-hmm. um, for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, let's get into it. Gentlemen, we have a special Please. guest. Um, yeah, let's bring him on. You know, we've got John Molinaro. He is, uh, look, if you're, if you're a TFC fan and have been following this club for long enough, he is a name that you were, that is synonymous with the club and synonymous with Canadian soccer. Uh, let's bring him on. We'll talk a little bit about, uh, what's going on, uh, with us now is John Molinaro, the creator, the editor, the, the owner of TFC Republic. Uh, John, we love your work. Thank you for jumping on and doing the season preview with us. Oh, thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Good to see you. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, I think one of the, I think one of the things that's sort of exciting fans this season is this idea of, you know, the rebuild starting to feel like it's taking shape, right? Like this idea that, you know, the the senior players that we have been or that have been sort of, you know been talked about by Bob Bradley and Bill Manning that they're coming, that they're going to be, it's going to take a few windows. It feels like it's starting to come together. And I just, you know, from, from his perspective as you know, you've been following this club for so long, just what are your feelings on 
just the start of this season and how this sort of off season has gone in general for TFC? Well, I mean, you look at the off season and it's really quite remarkable. I think what, you know, management has done in terms of, you know, shoring up the back line. Um, when you look compared to last year, when they conceded 66 goals and the previous season, when they conceded 66 goals, I think it was pretty clear they had to sort of retool at the back. Right. And so what did they do? They went out and got Sean Johnson, who, one of the most sought-after free agents in MLS and one of the league's best goalkeepers. They went out and got Matt Hedges, uh, you know, a former MLS defender and another high-profile free agent. Um, got Sigurd Roasted, who's someone who has Champions League and Europa League experience from Bronby. Went out and got Raul Petretta, who has Champions League and Europa League experience. And you add that to, um, you know, a back line that already has Richie Larea, who I think towards the back end of last season was one of, Toronto FC's better players. Um, you know, the fact that they were able to do all that in one window is quite remarkable. I think it was done at the expense of players 12 through 16, because I'm sure we'll get into this. You know, I think there are depth issues that are still have to deal with. But, you know, in terms of retooling the starting 11, uh, I don't think I don't think there's any dispute that, uh, you know, they were able to accomplish quite a lot this offseason. So that's, you know, that's a big, a pretty big plus for them. So, John, looking at the, the offseason as a whole, you, you meant over some of the moves, and if you were to pinpoint one move that Toronto FC made, what would you say was the biggest move of the offseason? Uh, it's a tough one. I mean, it's probably a, a toss-up between Hedges and Johnson. I, I'd probably um, sway just towards Johnson just because, I mean, I'm someone who's been kind of pumping his tires for a long time. I think he's a <laughs> really, really strong goalkeeper. I mean, I look back to that game in Montreal during the playoffs last year where he just stood on yeah. step and made six mm -hmm. or seven plays. And that's the kind of goalkeeper that that he routinely is. And I think that TFC badly needs when you look at you know the last few seasons with you know Bono and, and Quentin Westberg sort of you know platooning essentially. And that's the thing. I think they really needed a number one goalkeeper, not someone who was going to sort of split time. Mm -hmm but someone who was going to play 30 to 32 games, maybe even all games. And that hasn't been the case the last two, two or three seasons, right? There's been hmm. a debate as to who is the number one goalkeeper. So I think the fact that they were able to go out and get a goalkeeper like Sean Johnson, you know, that's, I don't think there's any question that it's a major upgrade at the goalkeeping position. Safer yeah. bet between the two too. Yeah. Yeah, you're both so smitten with him. Everyone that went to that press conference, like just he charmed the pants off the entire TFC uh, 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 reporter pool. Like nobody has a bad word to say about Sean Johnson after that press conference. Like it's it's hilarious. I love it so much. Yeah. And I wonder with all the new signs that you just mentioned, you know, it, I guess the big question for a lot of TFC fans, the one that's sort of right off the top of their head is just like, does this make TFC a real playoff contender? I mean, obviously there is a new playoff format and it kind of feels hard to think that this team will not somehow slide into one of those nine spots. Um, but are they, are they real playoff contenders? Let's not even talk about MLS cup yet. Let's just talk about playoffs at this point. I, I think they're, I mean, look, I'd be surprised if they don't make the playoffs. I think they've done enough in terms of, especially at the back, that, you know, you would think, even with the expanded playoff format, that they should be able to get in. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not prepared to say that they're amongst the league contenders or how well they'll do. I mean, I know predictions are fashionable <laughs> right around this time. Everyone wants to get theirs out. Oh, and really figure out what they'll kind of slot in one through 13. But 
I'm not really comfortable doing that because I mean, you know, a I haven't seen the team play in preseason, yeah. and yeah. you know, I don't know how all these new players are going to sort of come together and gel, and you know, I don't know if 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 the young players who are uh, you know on the bench are going to sort of rise to the occasion, or if the depth is going to the lack of depth, if, if that will continue, and how that's mm-hmm. going to affect the team, if at all. We got to remember too; it's a compressed schedule, right? With um, what's it called? That that idiotic league's thing. cup. League's yeah. cup. <laughs> <laughs> no, I prefer your name for it—the idiotic thing. I think I'm um, going to steal that, John. So that you know, the the front the front sort of half of the season is rather front loaded. So I mean, you know, it's there's really, I mean, there's room for some error, but really, teams have to kind of hit the ground running. You can't really afford a slow start; otherwise, you're going to find yourself in a really tough position come come August. So. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think they've done enough where I'd be surprised if they don't, you know, get a playoff spot. But, you know, as far as, you know, how good they're going to be, how competitive will they be on MLS Cup contender? It's far too early to tell as far as I'm concerned. So, so John, then let's, let's throw the prediction out the window then. No prediction. What about expectation? Like if you're TFC's management, MLSC, hypothetically, you're looking at this team and looking at Bill Manning and Bob Bradley, like, what do you think is the bare minimum for this team to for it to count as a successful year? Well, playoffs for one. I think, you know, that's mm-hmm. got to be one. I think, you know, winning the Canadian Championship, if not at least finishing runners-up. But I think the main thing, Michael, is they just have to be competitive, right? I mean, you know, last year there was no – they never got into really a long sort of – they never got into a run where it was just like, yeah, you know what? You could tell over, the, uh, over a slew of games that – this. That the team could go on a bit of a run here mm-hmm. and really sort of go for it. That never came close to happening last year. I mean, I don't think that there was a run of like four or five games where it was like, yeah, you know what, it's really coming together. I think they have to be consistent. I have to. I think they have to be, um, you know, obviously defensively solid after what happened last year. They've got to start winning on the road, which uh, wasn't uh, – the wins were few and far between the last two years. Um, so I think it's just consistency right from front to end. But they have to – They've got to play some um, just some well organized football and, and grind out results. And mm. you know, I thought at times last year, well, more at times, but a lot of times that they were just too frail. It just seemed like you know the first sign of of, of trouble, and they just bent. And there wasn't any real sort of backbone to the club. So I'd like to see more of a backbone this year, and you know, see a little bit more resolve, and and for them to show that you know they can sort of fight through you know bad times and grind out results because that's what you have to do in MLS. Yeah, yeah. I apologize. My, my earphones cut out, so I ruined a perfectly good segue. But let's uh, let's rewind. Speaking of not being able to see the preseason games, because you know I like to hit you with some really odd questions. Oh, what God. are your thoughts on this <laughs> Apple TV deal? You've been covering the team since its inception. So you've been around for all of the permutations of MLS selling its content, coming to this situation where we're now in bed with Apple TV uh for the very uh for for quite a long time um yeah what are your thoughts on it uh you know i i see the advantages of it uh you know apple is a major player right i mean this is not this is not some sort of fly-by-night streaming service this is apple (laughs) this is a world brand Mm -hmm. and so i think mls was quite right in a lot of regards you know attaching its wagon to to apple because you know they're going to get a lot of sort of mileage out of this um and I appreciate that a lot of people are pissed off because it's not, you know, all the games aren't going to be available over traditional television. And it just goes against sort of the norms that we've long kind of grown accustomed to. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
this is the world we live in now. I mean, you know, this is streaming is a reality. Yeah. To cling on to these sort of the old ways we do things. So I appreciate it that it's going to piss some people off and they may not like the idea of having to pay for content, but um, you know, that's just the way of the world. Now you have to pay for content. So um, I do wonder though, Jeffrey, you know, the length of the deal. There you go. Thank you. And I wonder, I mean, you know, it's it's a league that is still sort of struggling is not the right word, but it is still a team that has to sort of fight for mainstream coverage. One hundred percent. And I just wonder, you know, the, the logic about putting all the games behind a streaming service. You know, TSN is going to show some games, and, and that's great. But you know, this is a, this is a league that still needs all the sort of the media coverage and help that it can get. And I just wonder, you're kind of closing it off to a certain you know segment of the population. I just wonder if, if, if this deal is going to make it harder on them to draw in, forget casual sports fans, but mm-hmm. casual soccer fans who might not yeah. necessarily watch yeah. MLS. I mean, yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it one step further. What guarantee is there that OTTs will still be a viable commodity ten years from now when this deal finally expires? Right? Like yeah. it's a it's a very flawed business model. And I I realize something else that is probably going to piss me off. Um, I don't think I'm going to like this wraparound show. It occurred to me. That unless TFC games are scheduled outside of this wraparound show, I'm only watching TFC games, right? Because what they're gonna, I'm gonna watch another team's game on replay after I know the result. Come on, that's Jeffrey. You know me. I'm an MLS sicko. I'm gonna be. I'm an MLS sicko, and I'm still calling. I'm still calling foul on this. I got better things to do with my time than watch a game between hey, Austin the league, and, and San Jose that I already know the result of. I'm not that crazy. I'm crazy, but Jeff, I'm not that crazy. Jeff, mm. there's 250 million reasons why mm. this Apple TV is a good one for Major League Oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm just being <laughs> contrary. But, like, I've been singing the praises of this wraparound show. Like, it's, you know, the, 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 the greatest thing since sliced bread. And it occurred to me today... I'm never going to watch it because their TFC game is always on. Have this like, conversation like, halfway yeah. through. Let's see. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah. We definitely could go mm-hmm. back to that. But I will say this, and John, I'd love your perspective on this. I think, again, from a fan perspective, we have wanted additional coverage of not just TFC, but of the league in general to better understand, you know, the club and how does it relate to the rest of the league and what does that look like? And things like a wraparound show though new to MLS fans are not new to general sport fans. And it's sort of a thing we've been asking for, you know, I guess this is really a predictive question, so it might be hard for you to answer, but you know, what impact do you think having something like that in the league could do for, I guess those who are watching, right? Cause I, we don't know if it's going to draw in new people, but for yeah. those who are already kind of singing from the hymn sheet, you know, what kind of impact does that do in terms of, you know, maybe mm-hmm. us going out, the gospel of the league in a way. Well, I think that's it, right? I think it's about getting those sort of hardcores, you know, singing the gospel and sort of spreading the word and, you know, just kind of locking them in, right? Because I think you've got to remember there's so much choice out there for, for entertainment dollars, right? I mean, mm-hmm. players, fans have so much in terms of streaming service. I mean, I myself probably subscribed to four or five. And so, you know, there's so much out there that we're, we're setting aside MLS. So I think that if you can sort of lock in a captive audience like this and really sort of blow them away with everything that Apple can do. And you're quite right. I mean, like all the wraparound show and I mean, I've watched a couple of the documentaries that they've done so far. They've, you know, they've given MLS a really big time feel. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, that's something that 
and no disrespect to the ESPNs and TSNs of the world, but I'm not sure that's something that they would sort of do to the same extent. 100%. Right? 100%. They're not invested in enough in it. I mean, Apple is putting its money literally where its mouth is. I mean, they're investing big in this. So, you know, it, it behooves them to treat it like a big property. And so I think MLS is going to benefit it from that in that regard, too, because it's going to come across as a big product. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm just I'm just worried that we're looking at like 10 year old returns from Red Zone when it was new and and every, and you know and we're still chasing that dragon it's like everybody wants those NFL red zone numbers but it's a totally different world right now and and you know to to imagine that MLS is going to capture the same amount of people as NFL does in the continental United States is maybe a bit short sighted but uh did everybody do their questions? Because mine is another uh, non sector. <laughs> no, I, actually, <laughs> you know, mine. I'll, I'll bring it back a little bit to the team <clears throat> this year, um, and specifically around um, the two designated players, Lorenzo Insigne and Federico Bernardeschi. I think there is this sense that okay, they're here now, and they've got a full off season, and you know, magic may happen. But what should fans, I think, realistically expect now? from these two that they've had a full off season, they've had some rest. Um, you know, what should we, what should we realistically, you know, ask of these, of these two players? I, I think it's totally realistic and the expectation should be that, you know, that they should light it up. <laughs> I mean, point blank. I mean, they're, yeah. they're paid handsomely. They are still, um, you know, I think what Bernadeschi's 29 and, and Signe's 32, 33. They've got 32. plenty of gas left Plenty of gas left in the tank. I mean, I think we saw glimpses of it last year when they came in. I think they combined something for like eight goals and and five assists and, and like fourteen goals between the two of them. Oh, is that okay? Even better. Wow. So, so there's no. I don't think we should be sort of lowering our expectations. I think we should be ramping it up. They've got a full season ahead of them. They've had the benefit of full preseason. They got some rest. Um, and you know, let's let's be honest. I mean, they're paid ridiculously high wages, and you don't pay those high wages for them just to be mediocre. They have to produce. Yeah. And you know, these are these are guys. Let's not forget who aren't that far removed from, you know, an Italian national team who beat England in the Euro to, to a final. So, yeah, I think we should we should rightly expect a lot of them, and I think they do have to produce. And I don't know. Like I said, I haven't. I, none, none of us have seen preseason, yeah. but. Uh, you know, I would suspect that, uh, you know, they're in good sort of physical shape and, you know, they're going to hit the ground running. Yeah. And if I can maybe help segue to one of Jeff's questions, because I think one of Jeff's questions is actually really, really interesting. I already had it. He said produce and I, I already have the term <laughs> phrase. I'm so yeah. well ahead of you, but go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Ahead. But like just this idea of those two and some of even the senior, uh, more veteran signings that TFC have made in the offseason, sort of working with the younger players that are on the roster that are going to be for lack of a better term, they're going to have to be the depth right now um, for this team until either they can make not a lot of space for them to make it additional moves. But, um, you know, what sort of should be the expectation around those players, you know, just helping those younger players push them along and try to get them to another level to where we don't really have a ton of questions about their value in terms of depth? Yeah, I think it's reasonable to expect, um, you know, the veterans to sort of mentor those young guys. And and I think to their credit that that process has already taken place. I mean, and it's been in place for years. I mean, Michael knows as well as I do. Guys like Michael Bradley and, and Jonathan Azario have, you know, these aren't sort of paycheck players who simply come in, mm -hmm. do their thing, and they're the first ones off the training pitch and out in the parking lot, and, and that's it. They go home. They'll stick around. I mean, they, they may get a point of imparting their knowledge 
to, um, you know, the younger generation. I think Bob has done a really good job of sort of stressing that to, you know, his veteran core about, you know, having to do that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I fully expect that, you know, that process will continue. It's really important because, as you said, the team doesn't have a great deal of depth right now, and chances are, you know, in the interim anyway, the Kosi Thompsons and the Jaquil Marshall Reddies and DeAndre Kerrs and hopefully the Femi Antonoglu's. I'm really big on him. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully they're going to get some playing opportunities, but, you know, they're still young men, still sort of learning their craft, and they're going to need some mentorship and need some help and guidance from the senior players on the roster. So, yeah, I think fully we should fully expect, you know, the, the club's older players to help the youngsters. It's an important part of the process. 100%. Caden Chung. League's Cup hero. He's starting every game in the in the summer months. Um, all right. This is my father's a lawyer, so forgive the leading question. But of all of the hot takes this offseason, this is the one that I've had the most trouble with, and it's this. Was it one idea. of mine? No, no. It's it's the, oh, it's the conversation on TFC's academy, considering the outgoing uh. news and the the Jaden Nelson sales and the and the Luca <clears throat> Petrasso sales. And I really want your take on this because you've been here from the beginning. I know you hate doing this, but give the Academy in 2023 a letter grade in, in terms of what it's, you know, how it, I, I'm not even going to besmirch it any more than that. Give, give it a letter grade. What, what, what do you think the Academy rates in 2023? That's a tough question. It's a, it's, a hard, it's a hard one, Jeffrey. And I, and to be honest, I have a hard time separating the Academy from TFC two even though they're separate things, but wow. really they're not because, you know, mm-hmm. Academy guys will filter into that team and that's sort of part of the pathway. So I don't really sort of look at it as just exclusively as TFC. I look at it as TFC Academy and TFC too. Sure. Sure. I think keeping in that in mind, I don't know. I mean, it's, it, you got to remember too, I'm not kind of following the Academy and TFC too as, as closely as I probably should, to be perfectly honest, but I mean, I Grossi for that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. But you know, uh, I'd give it a passing grade. I mean, I don't know if I would give it an A or a B plus, but I mean, you know, there's been, I think what Kobe Franklin today was announced yeah, and he's like, mm-hmm. yeah. he's like the 32nd youth Academy player to sign for the first team. The, you know, I remember, you know, Daniil Henry in 2010 when he was the exactly. first conference. So I think they've done a good job of sort of getting players through the system in the TFC two into the first team. I think, and this isn't exclusive to TFC fans. I think it's fans of whatever club. There is this unreasonable expectation that teams should be sort of, you know, the starting 11 should be all youth team, you know, product <laughs> or whatnot. It's just not, it's just not sort of reasonable in this day and age. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I'm all for giving young players a chance. I really am. But, you know, I, I think we saw what happened last year at the start of the season when Bob, you know, had to rely, not that he was, um, had a lot of choice, but he had to rely a lot on, you know, the young, on the team's young players. And it didn't necessarily work out. I think back to TFC of, you know, 2016, 2018 vintage, where you had the bulk of the starting 11 was, you know, about seven or eight guys who were veterans. Mm. Javinko, Bradley, Altador, Moro, uh, Drew Moore, guys like that. But then you also had, Jonathan Osorio, who was kind of young, and Mark Delgado and Nick Haglund. You need, I think, a strong base, a solid base of veterans with some young players kind of mixed in there. So I think 100%. that's kind of the way forward. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. and just building, up, building off that too, I, I think it's interesting when you look at 
the graduates of the academy when Jaquil Marshall and Jade Nelson came through and also Ralph Priso was that year that was almost such a good time for the TFC right. Academy because those guys are top top players Rocco Romeo was also in that obviously he never panned out um the way that TFC would have hoped but still that was such a good time and then in between like the last two years I'll say there was a bit of a gap where mm-hmm. the only players that are remaining from that crop of I guess Academy graduates is Jordan Perusa and I believe Luke Singh is the only other guy from the last like two years. And then obviously last year you had the influx of Academy players. So you are going to go through these ups and downs with, with TFC's Academy. What I'll say though is stay tuned because I think this next crop that's coming forward, when you see some of the guys at Canada's U17 tournament and even younger guys at that, there's there's reason to be excited and i think there is another wave of really top 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 young canadian talent coming through but we're a ways away from that it's just something mm. to keep in the back of your back of your head yeah that's yeah although graduate to the first team it's a disaster and, and <laughs> well, that's the thing too i think people are just sort of impatient sometimes right i mean mm. like keel marshall ruddy is what still only 19 18 he's still exactly. literally growing yeah mm-hmm. so you know, and then people are like, well, I just think we sort of lose sight of the fact that these guys, and oftentimes they're still young men, still sort of learning their, never mind learning their craft. They're still learning how to be professionals and absolutely sort of living on, alone on the, for their first time and whatnot. It's, so it's unreasonable for, for them to sort of hit the ground running. I, I think we just have to sort of, uh, you know, temper expectations a little bit and, and take it easy and not sort of, you know, uh, deem them to be the next Michael Bradley or whatnot. I think that yep. doesn't do them any favors. Hey, John, can I words. ask, this is something that has been crying, sort of gnawing at me over the last year. And and it was something Bill Manning said last year around Jaquil Marshall Ruddy. And this kind of then permeated to some of the other younger players and putting a valuation on, on Jaquil and saying, you know, $20 million. I know that's not real, probably really what he meant, but, you know, once that's out there, that's out there. And do you think that is, you know, I guess from a business sense, it makes sense, but from a, you know, doing the player favors in terms of the media, in terms of fan reaction, do you think that hinder might hinder a player or it, does that help in any way? Um, or, 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 you know, like I just, I, I found it a little bit like once that number came out, that really got stuck to Jaquiel. And I don't know if that was necessarily doing him any favors. It's probably not the wisest comment in the world, um, but I don't necessarily think that it really did him any kind of harm. I mean, and again, I think Michael can attest to this. Shaquille's got a pretty level head on his on his shoulders. He's not someone who, um, you know, sort of re- reads his own press clippings. I find him to be pretty humble and a pretty level-headed guy. Uh, I think if anything ha- sort of stunted his development last year was just the injury, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. he's probably one of TFC's better players through the first few weeks, he suffers that injury, tries to play on it, and then he has to have like sort of the knee surgery. And, you know, when he came back, he essentially lost his, his spot. Um, so I don't necessarily, again, probably wasn't the best thing in the world for Bill to say, but I don't know that, you know, Jaquil was necessarily carrying that around saying, I have to live up to these, this expectation. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah, John, if I could just clarify, I don't think that was Bill that actually made that comment. I think that was Jaquil Marcioretti's agent who came out and made the comment that said that Bill said that. So it never actually directly yeah, Bill. Yeah. Uh, came from mm-hmm. Jaquil Marshall, his agents. We, we do have to clarify that. I did speak to Bill about that. 
And he said there was never a set price tag. He just essentially going by whatever he believes the market dictates. Just just to be completely fair, no, no, no. you know, that's no, 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 that's an important clarification because it 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 provides context to to the comments. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. But by and all it, accounts, that could be the number that they're asking for. And we it's not like TFC haven't been hyping Jaquil Marsharuddy up. I mean, sure, yeah, they've absolutely. they've been hyping him up for a very long time. <laughs> and to your point, Mike, is it fair to him? Does it do him any favors? If they really believe in the kid, it it's a win-win, I guess, for everybody where you raise the profile of the, the player and you also get potentially good benefits <laughs> from it by selling him on later. But yeah, it does add a lot of pressure sometimes. And, you know, sometimes kids can't handle that. I'm not saying Jaquil yeah. can't because he's still very young and we'll see what happens with him. But it definitely does add some pressure. Absolutely. Uh, and, and John, if I can leave you off on, on this. Obviously, we've talked a lot about TFC and where we think they're going to be or what they're going to be in 2023. But, you know, there are 28 other teams in this league um, <laughs> that they have to compete 27 with. 27 have uh, new kits. Yeah. Not all um, oh, <laughs> let's not get into the kit talk. Um, but uh, in terms of the Eastern Conference, let's just leave it at that for now. Of course, we will have to look at the West. But um, where, you know, what are the other teams that, you know, TFC fans should be keeping an eye on um, this season in terms of contenders and, you know, how we stack up against uh, the rest of the East? Well, I think from the East, it probably, you know, it's, it's hardly original thought for myself, but I think it begins and ends with Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, I thought, you know, class of the Eastern Conference last year, they've, Jim Curtin is an excellent coach. I think they placed more players on the MLS best starting 11 last year than any other team. Um, you know, they had, you know, defender of the year and goalkeeper of the year and Andre Blake. I think they've kept 90% of their roster from last year. Uh, so it's, pretty hard to look past uh, uh, Philadelphia. I just, mm -hmm. I think it's such a really sort of stable organization um, that doesn't really sort of kind of get the recognition I think it necessarily deserves. Um, I think it very much flies under the radar, despite it being in a major market. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, you know, as I said, it's hard to look past Philadelphia. I just think they were, they were, you know, from beginning to end, I think the class of the Eastern Conference a year ago, and I suspect that's going to be the case again. I'm really interested to see Inter Miami this year um, with, <laughs> with Pozuelo leaving and um, mm. and Martinez coming in. Um, that should be, you know, that'll be interesting down there. And you know, Luca Petrasso too, who um, I'm really interested to see how he'll do in kind of a more starting role. I mean, I thought he was obviously started some games last year, and I thought he did quite well. Should just, you know. Uh, you know, he lost essentially lost his part to, to Mimo, so I get that. But um, really interested to see how he does because he's a good kid, and I think he, you know, potentially is someone who could be a benefit for for John Herdman going forward. Yeah, still surprised to see that move when they did uh, they decide to trade Luca Petrasso and you know circling back to to Philadelphia, they didn't lose a single piece of their right. their starting. Kyle Wagner, Kyle Wagner was supposed yeah. to go to Europe, and then he just mm -hmm. didn't. They, they didn't yeah. lose. And him, yeah. on top of that, they added they added to their roster too. So they're, uh, they're looking like early fate. I mean, LAFC by the sports books are still technically the favorite, which I mean, isn't a surprise based on the way that they've performed and spent, but Philadelphia is right behind them. And they're, they're going to be a tough, tough team. <laughs> be a tough team. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay, John, I'll leave you with actually just one more. And if, <laughs> if it's a TFC podcast, you can't escape the fact that the guys down the road in Montreal had a great season last year. 
Um, yep. And obviously there's been a lot of change at that organization. <laughs> New head coaches in, they've lost three players, sold three players for quite a bit of money. Um, but what sort of is the, the vibe um, in, in Montreal? And, and do we think they can either get close to, or even repeat what they did last season and, and again, be contenders in the East? Nah. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 first of all, fantastic season last year. I thought, you know, mm-hmm. you know, just from beginning to end, just a really solid campaign. And then, you know, when they beat Orlando in the first round, I thought, okay, you know, this could be a team that goes on a run and they sort of lay a bit of an egg at home against uh, NYCFC, albeit, you know, Sean Johnson was phenomenal in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I still think probably they're going to be in the playoff mix, but I don't think they're going to be nearly as strong. I just think there's too much... It's just seen that Montreal is a team that, uh, you know, like unlike a lot of others, just invites all this drama. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? The whole Wilfred Nazi thing with Joey Saputo and he's gone. And, it's crazy. And, you know, the Kai Kamara thing where, you know, he announces on Twitter that he wants to be traded. And, and you know, he ends up getting traded today to Chicago. And then, and then the, 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 you know, the trade of Torres and then Johnston mm-hmm. being sold off and Kone being sold off and Mihailovic being sold off. It's, those are like key sort of players leaving. And, I appreciate that they've still kept, I think, eight starters from last year, but I just wonder how much of sort of the the, the roster turnover in terms of those big players and sort of what's gone on behind the scenes is going mm. to affect, um, you know, and I, I don't like to say that because I, mean, I I have a lot of time for Montreal, the city and the team, yeah, uh, but yeah. but I don't know. I uh, Like I said, I think they're going to be a playoff contender, but I don't think they're going to come close to doing what they did last year. I mean, if they manage to do it, God bless him. I mean, it'll be, you know, I think it'll be a great sort of uh, tribute to, you know, the new coaching staff that's Lasada who's come in. But, uh, yeah, I'd be surprised if they have a repeat of last year. Yeah, it'll be a big question if Lasada has learned his lesson from sort of the fallout yeah. at DC, right? Like, because that did not end well uh, <laughs> for him there. Uh, and, you know, for, for you guys, does it not seem that hiring of Lasada, does it not seem kind of like, Chris Armit, Chris Armis ish. Oh, it, it makes no sense. But they did it already with uh, 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 Wilmer Cabrera when they when they yeah. when they poached him from Houston. Like they just don't. I mean, f- don't do a Chris Armis. We'll give you that advice. Like, don't <laughs> don't do a Chris Armis. Like peace and love Montreal. Just don't do it. And and this guy seems you know he seems like a crazy person. So. You know, best of luck to them. They'll all have six six relationships. You know, they will. They'll all have zero body fat index, but they'll also be crazy people. So, (laughs) yeah. Well, let let me build off that too. The thing Mm. with Armis is that the roster wasn't made for Chris Armis here in Toronto, right? When he was brought here, and I think the same way with Hernan Lozada. He plays that Armis ball where it's chaos, 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 press, press, press. Whereas Wilfred Nancy was that slow, pragmatic build through the back, get the best out of guys like Sam Piet and Victor Wanyama. 100%. Now they're going to be asked when they're older to go press, press, press. Hey, maybe he's going to go in there and try and turn Sam Piet into an attacking <laughs> midfielder now and oh ask him God. to score goals. I don't know. Maybe I'm to go pull Chris Martin. Yeah, yeah. It gives me no joy to dunk on Montreal this bad publicly, but it, it needs to be done, unfortunately. You know, they've had well, to give well, you a ton of joy. Don't be yeah. too smug, Jeffrey. I mean, you know, yeah. that's you know, yeah. considering what UFC has been the last year. Not two years to yeah. dunk on us, you know? Yeah, but, absolutely. But, uh, absolutely. Well, John, uh, again, thank you so much for, for taking the time and being on the yeah. show today and imparting your wisdom. Um, 
I love TFC Republic. I, I've been a subscriber oh, since day one. So if you're out there, listeners, and you're not subscribed to TFC Republic, I think you have a free trial um, for I do. the yeah. item right yeah. now. Yeah, well, this week until Sunday. So yeah, absolutely. Amazing. So get on there, get in, uh, get in uh, some articles, and then subscribe um, because uh, you definitely, you know, you've been asking for more TFC coverage. You got the you got the man, um, the OG coverage, the, the exactly. guy. Um, yeah. So John, thanks so much for uh, for being on, and we'll chat to you another time. We'll bring you on again. Thanks, guys. Cheers. There you go. John Molinaro, everybody. Um, always a great stuff. time to talk to John. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, provides the pearls of wisdom that I think we all need and sort of a little bit of the uh, the uh, to our to our uh, <laughs> fandom and our fan insanity um, at times. Um, but interesting, uh, before we just get into the next segment, I think it was interesting that he, he touched on sort of what we were talking about in the intro to the show, which is this idea that, look, this team should be from a starting 11 position really good, but so scary. You know, what, Stupid what, scary. It could be anywhere, right? It's really mm-hmm. hard to sort of figure out where this team might plot in the standings this year because it could be a shield winning team or it could be sort of middle of the road. Or wooden know, spoon. Maybe they're fifth, sixth, but it, it could also, it yeah. could all fall apart too. Mm-hmm spectacularly it's yeah that's what i said this team is incredibly polarizing where you know when it's clicking and it's going well and matt had just told me this earlier earlier this week is that this team could be could beat anyone on its day when it's when it's playing the way that it wants to play they don't fear anybody but when they're not that's that's the concern right and there's a Tom Boger said this, and I fully agree. There's you go through the roster, there's a lot of question marks still on mm-hmm. this team. I know they improved and I know they got a lot better than where they were last year. But what happens if hypothetically Lorenzo Insigne and Federico Bernardeschi they're not living up to their their potential? What, if, what happens if they're like 75%? Is this team still very good? I don't think so. I think so nope. much of the way this team is gonna play rests on the shoulders of their those two guys um, not only offensively because obviously they're going to be the main providers of tfc going forward but they help out defensively so much and not in the sense that okay they're going to track back and they're going to win tackles and get get really dirty more in the sense of give them the ball and that takes pressure off your back line when you have mm-hmm. the ball you don't have to defend as much right and that's what that's why when i when we talk about michael bradley i'm going all over the place i know but when we talk about michael bradley and people like go at him and, and say, oh, I can't believe he gets exposed like this. Well, you're playing next to guys who can't necessarily keep the possession and you get caught out in transition so many times. And yeah, Michael Bradley's going to get exposed playing next to guys who aren't natural center midfielders, which mm-hmm. he did a bunch of last season. Not yeah, necessarily, not, not just natural center midfielders, like kids who are not even... Yeah. Like, You're asking DeAndre Kerr to be Jonathan Sawyer. DeAndre That's Kerr, Kosey Thompson, they had yep. Jen Nelson there at times. They had other guys there at times who weren't natural center midfielders. So now that you bring in Insigne and you have Bernadeschi and you have guys who are who are going to be playing their natural positions and are good MLS players, that's going to alleviate pressure from your back line already. So I'm expecting a way better defensive season, not just because they replaced their back line, but just because you have this full team now intact that can actually keep possession. Yep. Absolutely. 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 And, uh, and we'll, we'll get to a little bit to that uh, when we do our little over-unders and our predictions here. But a couple of uh, news and notes around MLS uh, this season that you should keep in mind. We talked a lot about the Apple TV deal, so I think we feel like we've, uh, we've kind of covered that to death. 
um, at this point. We'll see what it is. Uh, I thought I I watched uh, a bit of the preseason games. They were kind of doing their testing um, shows, and a couple of things were a little off. Um, but we we recognized that it was supposed to be sort of the the maiden sort of test launch of things. But the thing I really liked about the game presentation itself was just the this the one the clarity of of camera work was fantastic. Um, and the other thing is I, I did like sort of the min- minimalistic kind of view. And I'm, I'm kind of used to this from watching Apple do MLB last year. So that was, I, there were some things familiar about it, but there are going to be some things new um, in there. And I thought that was pretty good. Announcers a little dry, but yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you for saying that. I missed, I missed my Luke Wildman and my, and my Steve-O, my Stevie pretty badly, actually. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll get them this weekend um, for TFC, but going forward. No, I got to maximize my free subscription. I'm turning on Apple TV. T- <laughs> Terrestrial TV doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, I'm exactly. watching the wraparound show. Yeah. I think what's exciting is that we're going to get a lot more uh, league-wide intel, if that makes sense. Like, they're not just going to cover it from a Toronto basis, which yes. is cool. Like, you mm. get the whole sense of what MLS is, and maybe you'll pick up on storylines that are happening around the league. Because I remember even even when I was covering TFC, I started late in 2019. Like, when I first started covering TFC, I knew a lot about Toronto. I didn't know much about the rest of the league. To yeah, be yeah, that's honest. fair. I, I, that's I fair. knew the big stuff, and I, I but you, you get more little tidbits just listening to these types of commentators who have covered different parts of the league and do it on a weekly basis. So, you know, that part is, is cool in the way that they're, they're trying to build the league, I guess, overall. Yeah, for sure. And I would encourage, you know, fans, obviously, look, you're going to follow TFC. That's what you should do um, (laughs) as supporters. But at the same time, like definitely to give the wraparound show a try, you know, look into other teams never because you will you will learn a lot about the league. And as I was in terms of my question to to John Molinaro was more about like you will understand sort of TFC standing within the league and what people think about TFC and what the league thinks about TFC by getting sort of this broader perspective from other teams. Cause you know, for a lot of other teams, like we, we kind of look at ourselves as like, Oh, we spend a lot of money, but we, we don't do this right. We don't do this right. We don't do this right. Where other teams are looking at us being like, God, man, you guys do everything right. You're so ambitious. And yeah, sometimes it doesn't work, but that's amazing, right? Like you go out and sign $50 million a year players and that, I, you know, like, trust me, mm-hmm. there are markets that would wish that their ownership could even think about doing 100%. Like that. 100%. Right? Yeah. Um, so like we mentioned, games are still on TSN this year. Um, they're going to have one Canadian game or team a week, except this week, because both the Whitecaps and TFC are on. Um, but outside of that, there'll be one a week. I don't know exactly. Well, they've dropped the schedule now. I think TSN has dropped the schedule. Of yeah, yeah. They have. So there's quite a few. Down. There's quite a few games on TSN. Actually, yeah. I want to say like 50% of TFC games are probably going to be on TSN. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you'll you'll still get a lot of TFC on TSN if you don't have um, Apple. Um, and then of course there will actually be a lot of games outside of just uh, the three Canadian teams that will be on TSN as well. So again, mm-hmm. an opportunity to check out the rest of the league. Yep. Apple TV is free, by the way, this weekend. For anybody wondering, Apple TV is doing a free preview, or at least MLS is. The TFC game is free. Uh, so maybe Sweet. if you guys are interested in checking that out, what exactly that's going to look like, hop on over. Yeah, but uh, El Trafico, unfortunately, is canceled. Um, I saw that. Yeah, yeah I saw that too. That's it's, it's, uh, it's going to be like a torrential downpour uh, in LA. Oh my God, rain! Oh, 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 it's so well, bad. Apparently, like it's like, severe. Like it's like severe, <laughs> or, like lightning. I'm just being a jerk. I, I, techno, I, I, techno, <laughs> yeah, like Thunderdome. 
yeah, type yeah, of no, it's the apocalypse. No, it's bad. Don't play the game. No, it sucks because this was supposed to be the yeah. record-breaking game, right? Yeah. That yeah, broke yeah. the attendance record. So it's, it's a lot of upset fans who mm-hmm. are taking the trip down. And yeah, it is what it is. What are you going to yeah, do? It is so what far? it is. We live in a world. We live in a yeah. society. Um, are yeah. we really going to talk about this new playoff format? That sucks I think we so got hard? to because, like, it's it's. I don't sucks, want to. You got to talk. Keep about it short. It. Keep it short. Yeah, it, it sucks. I mean, it yeah. sucks. It's that. That's it. <laughs> it's terrible. Actually, it's terrible. so I actually don't. I'm not. I'm not all in on the the side of I completely hate it. I, I actually no. want to see what this looks like because imagine. Okay, you're. I, I love hockey playoff series and I love basketball playoff series. So imagine, let's say, your team loses game one. Now the pressure is on for game two. And watching game two, you're just going to be on the edge of your seat. It does take a little bit of excitement away from game one. But, you know, it does add some excitement for game two. And then, you know, you have the game three where I love the the potential of teams adjusting to other teams. I want to see what a coaching battle looks like within 270 minutes. It's going to be different. And I'm just saying, are, I understand why shows. people hate it. These are, these are good shows. They're like great. Series. Uh, it's a little bit different, though. It's a little bit different in a series. Yeah, I, I get it. Like, I, it's I get, North American get, fan in me. Yeah, for sure. Look, I, I don't. Uh, I, I think it kind of sucks because I just really think, in the end of the day, why don't you just go back to home and away two leg series, right? Like, if that's really what you want, um, I, I get why they're doing it. Right, it is for Apple and it is to provide more games, um, and it is also to provide teams with a home playoff game right like consider let's not that worry game. about acl injuries or 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 or, or any of that stuff that's that okay happen. right that's all yeah, that is the thing right like i mean but i mean i guess if you look at it from a like okay let's just use a tfc perspective like the 2019 yes okay we got the first round game against dc but the entire run was on the road right the basically to the cup final including the cup final was on the road um, and you know, yeah, okay. We, we'd love another home game, I think for the playoffs. Cause after that first game, it was basically, it was probably, it, it, you know, just for somebody who went to that cup final, probably the least hyped MLS cup final run. Twenty TFC had made out of the three, up, right? Yeah, yeah. 2019. Yeah. 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 And in that, and I think part of that was because there was no additional home game after the DC game. Right. And, and I, I think it kind of becomes a little out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. So I understand hmm. that. And I can kind of get behind that, but I feel like the the just chop and change nature of it, where it's like one single play in game, then you get a series, then you get it. Now it's going to be single elimination the it. rest of the way. Like it's just, it. it's it's weird. Yeah, I don't. Like it. I don't want to talk it's about it anymore. It is. Yeah. I, I mean, it would be fun to watch, and but I hate it. I absolutely fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah, we'll we'll move on. Other than hey, there's a new team in St. Louis, so look out for them. Their stadium is pretty nice. <laughs> Inside of that, um, you know, and they and they're called DP goalkeeper. They mm. do have a DP goalkeeper, so they are the. I think that's only like the third or fourth ever DP goalkeeper mm. in league history. Um, Roman Berkey, former really Borussia Dortmund goalkeeper, um, is yeah. in St. Louis, and they're called St. Louis City. And the, yeah, the yeah, you got to pronounce it. Calling capitals, yeah. you have to St. call Louis them City. City. That's yeah, how you have weird. to say it. I hate it. I yeah, yeah I this it. whole. This whole section of the rundown is just stuff that I hate. So let's move on. <laughs> exactly. All right. Um, so we've got a little uh, fun game for the for the three of us. Uh, we're going to sort of take over the next couple of weeks a little uh, over-under action on some of the TFC players in the league and see how they're doing throughout the season. I'm going to throw this over to Mike Singh. Um, we're going to take a look at a couple of players and, and do some over-unders. And, and Jeff and the three of us um, are mm-hmm. going to try to figure out sort of where we think they're going to end up this season. So, Mike, I'm throwing it over to you. 
for sure. Some uh, some prediction style game. So let's try and keep answers to I think I've I've gone I've like half the roster up here. So okay. we won't go through every player right now. We'll maybe we'll do that next week. Sure. Uh, but let's start with with Iowa Canola. Okay. So Iowa Canola, obviously we know we know all about him. He is a guy with a ton of potential and hasn't lived up to it the last two years. So I'm setting his over under goals at six and a half this year. Do we think he's going to score more or less than six and a half goals? And just for some context, his career high was nine goals in 2020. 2021, he scored three. And last season, he was held to just two goals. Iowa Canola, over under six and a half. Jeff, let's start with you. I got to take the under on this, and I don't like it, but I'm taking the under. I'm taking the under. I hope he proves me wrong. Mike? I'm going to go over with a caveat. So I think he'll go over six. I think he can match nine, maybe even pass it with 10. But I don't know if he's going to score all those goals with TFC. Ooh, I like that. Right? Because I think there might be, you know, a, a situation where a team comes in with a pretty decent offer if he starts the season off well. Because if you think about it from a contract perspective, and we've talked about this before in the show, like he's on young money. Um, so he's, you know, he's a U22. I think he's U22, right? So his cap hit, though he is making like 600,000, I believe his cap hits only like 150. Uh, so from that perspective, that's, that could be pretty attractive to some teams who need some either striking depth or want to get a young striker who might start to be getting back into form after a long injury. So I will say, I will take the over, but it may not, not all of those goals may be for TFC. Yeah, that's that's a good yeah. point. I don't know. I, Iowa Canola has been on the block for <laughs> a very long time for Toronto FC, and they're asking for a lot uh, for Iowa Canola. So if there's a team that steps up and meets that price, maybe he does eventually get moved, whether it's in MLS or overseas. Mm. So keep an eye on Iowa Canola. He is one definitely to keep an eye on this season if you're a TFC fan. Now, let's move on. Temi Antonoglu. Mm. One of John's favorite guys there, a guy I've been really high on the past. I'm not sure I'm as high on him now as I actually was, even though we all saw that absolute screamer that oh, he scored screamer. for TFC2. Screamer. Well, halftime chip in the playoffs. I mean, yeah, he, half he as good as Bruce's goals. Big games. Mm. Um, so I have it here over under three and a half starts in all competitions. Will you get more than three and a half starts in all competitions? Jeff, what do you think? League's Cup hero, I'm taking the over. I'm screaming with the over on this one. Screaming. So over, it's not even funny. Even with TFC just signing Kobe Franklin. Yeah. Yeah. I'm taking the over on this one. McNeil? Under. Uh, I'll, I'll take the under on this. And it's simply because, I, again, I think they may move in for a more uh, experienced piece um, uh, for depth. Uh, and, and that's, I don't think that's a, a and, and plus then he can play different positions, right? Like he can play, he's a little versatile. He can kind of play in the midfield. I know that's not his best spot, but he has done that for TFC too. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm going to take, like uh, take the under. I think I think in terms of starts. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, interesting. So just so for context, he is dealing with a knee injury right now and in training. He has this huge brace on his leg. Um, so he's doing work on his own. He got injured during the first stint of preseason. And so he's slowly working his way back. There's no, I don't, we, we, I don't think we've asked. So there's no like 
known timeline for his recovery, but he, it's positive that he is doing work, even though he is wearing a robot for, for a leg right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's move on to yep. Federico Bernardeschi. Hey, well, everybody's favorite, uh, everybody, everybody's favorite TFC guy, it feels like right now. Mm. So last season, Mikey touched on this already, but he's off to a blistering start, right? Eight goals, 13 games. His over under I'm setting right now 16 and a half goals. Over mm. or under 16 and a half goals. You wanna go, Mike? You go yeah, first. This I'll time. Go out to, uh, yeah, I'm taking the over. Uh, smashing that over. Take, yeah, I'm gonna go over one. He takes the penalties, so that's gonna help. Uh mm, fair and, point. And, Does he though? Part. Well, we'll see. Uh, that's, we'll, that's, we'll see. A, that's an interesting we'll conversation. That's he has, I mean, he, I mean, down the stretch, he did in preseason. Taker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's, and he's, but he did miss one. Pre-season. He did miss one in preseason. I don't, of course, Lorenzo could, you know, call the shot and take the ball, of course, um, as he's been a traditional penalty taker for Napoli. But um, yeah, I'm going to go the over on that. I think I, I, I really am very high on Federico Bernardeschi. I think he's an MVP candidate, like a serious, MVP candidate in this league um and and just with the better understanding with it, with the team an off full off season and he's not going to be playing with kids for the most part um uh, over yeah it's almost as the easiest over I, I think I could take yeah yeah I, I mean I, my, my my yeah no I take the over I I, I think he's in golden boot uh, MVP territory yeah so for context on that Jeff twenty four goals was the golden boot last yeah year. yeah I figured sixteen point so. five is getting close getting close to that number I'm taking the over absolutely I think he'll, I right. think he'll break double I think he'll break uh, twenty goals this season it's a consensus then over sixteen and a half goals for Federico Bernardeschi just doing the math quickly I think on the top of my head he was on pace for about 20 last season yeah so yeah. let's see if he's able to keep that up I mean a big part of that may just be whether or not he's taking the penalties for TFC but we shall see mm. moving on Michael Bradley <laughs> started all tw- all 34 matches for Toronto FC last season <laughs> played all but 10 minutes was second in major League soccer in minutes played last season. Michael Bradley over 32 and a half starts is over under 32 and a half MLS starts. Scratch my Mike previous Neal? one. This is the easiest. <laughs> Michael Bradley will start. Wait, why are we even asking this question? Wow. It's, it's like, yeah, I, yeah. I it, it, this was on the sheet. This is why yeah, I said, yeah, no, it's, I mean, I take it back. Yeah. He is going to start. He will start over 32 games. Like I know they brought Cervania in and that's great. The difference 32 is 32 and a half. 32 so and a half, 33 yes. or 34 because there's only 34 games in an MLS. Oh, I, I get it. I get it. You're talking regular season, but I mean, and I guess you're you're saying MLS starts. Yeah, I think he starts the majority of the MLS games. I think Cervania is going to be for cup matches and for leagues cup. Yep, I uh, agree. And but here's it. Here's the one caveat. I don't think the minutes are going to be the same. I think there will be more opportunities Ooh. to take Michael Bradley off during matches Ooh. and Cervania play minutes. So I think that's how you do it. I think it's Michael Bradley starts games and he'll probably finish. Let's just say like 40, like 40 to 50% of the games, he'll do the full 90. But I think there is going to be more, let's push Brandon Cervania into this role. Let's see what he can do here. Or it's a reshuffling of the deck where maybe you put Mark Anthony K in the six and move Cervania into that eight role. Either way, um, that that's where I land. Nice. Jeff, you too? Yeah. Oh yeah. Easy over. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think the one thing we're taking for granted here that it's a credit and testament to Michael Bradley just how durable he has been. Injuries always possibility. 
right? To this, yeah. yeah, but I, he this. is the T two thousand. Like he will. That's the thing. He'll, right? he'll be he's hurt, and then the next week he'll be durable. Yeah, he's gonna be thirty six this season. It's it's actually insane. Yeah, um, not just how much of a machine he is that the he Highlander. Is. Yep. Okay, we touched on him a little bit. Caden Chung, over <laughs> under. Savage. Absolutely. 0.5 appearances this season <laughs> for Toronto FC. He had Absolutely eight MLS. Absolutely savage. He had eight MLS appearances last season, mm-hmm. but zero since May the eighth. Jeff, Jeff, I'll start with you. Over under one half. It's an over. I, 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 I hate myself if that's if that's the amount of time he sees on the pitch this year. I I hate this club if that no over 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 for the sake of my sanity. Over. Right. Uh, it, probably over, but I don't know if he finishes the season with TFC. Yeah, I, I think he might get loaned out. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, he could be we'll loaned see. out back to CPL um, or USL, but I, I just I don't think I like Caden John. I like him as a player. I've I've seen him in CPL a lot. Amazing um, person too. Amazing person. Really good player. I just don't think Bob. Bradley rates him now. Mm. I think he's seen him and he doesn't rate him. Um, and what are you going to do with that case, right? Yeah. yeah, and especially when you have the players that you've brought in, right? And I think a big tell to that also was the acquis- or the signing today of Kobe Franklin. Yeah. Right? That I think that screams that Caden Chung may have, may maybe played his last minute for TFC. We'll, we'll see exactly how that plays out, though. All right, moving on. Our new number nine, Adama Diomande. Over under eight and a half goals. So just for context, he had 12 goals in 2018 with LAFC and had eight goals in 2019. Mm. Uh, um, I'll start here. I think it's an under, but I don't necessarily think that means that he's had a bad season. I I think he's just going to, I think he's going to be one of those guys who is going to be able to hold balls up, run channels, um, I saw it a little bit in the preseason game. What he was really good at is dropping deep to hold the ball up and spray one out to Lorenzo or to Federico. And that allows them to get into positions where they can be dangerous and score goals. Um, and, and from that perspective, you're kind of in the Emil Heskey, you're a striker, but you're not scoring goals role, but that doesn't mean you're a bad player. It means you just fill a different function within the team. Um, and, and that might be the case for him. So I'm going to say under. I'm probably going to be wrong, but I will go under. I'm saying yeah. over. I'm saying over. If he if he makes these these runs, all the goals is he's on is on the end of of crosses from both wide players. He's going to score more than eight point five goals. So I'm I'm going for over. Yeah, we saw a glimpse of that during the the preseason game, the LA Galaxy one, where I think it was called back, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. for offside. It was. was it? Or not, mm-hmm. or yeah, it was. I can't forget. I can't remember. Well, uh, but it, it, I think he'll score a lot of those types of goals. Exactly. Where he's on the shoulder of, of a, a back line and he's beating a, a defender to to a Lorenzo Insigne cross or a Federico Bernardeschi cross. I think he, I, I'm going to go over on this one. I feel like Diamande yeah. is going to benefit. I think he's a type of striker that Bob Bradley uh, likes to see in his system. So let's say over eight and a half, that's nine goals. That's, that's a lot. But when he's on the pitch and he's played, I think his goals per minute, like is ridiculous. Under Bob Under Bradley. Bob Bradley. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, I, I, it's an over, it's an over. Hey, you know, uh, Jimenez had 10 goals. I mean, not after this once they got hot, but mm-hmm. you know, it's possible. Yeah, it certainly is. Matt Hedges. 
obviously big acquisition for Toronto FC. I'm saying it's over under, and we well, I'll add some context to this after, but over under three and a half yellow cards. Matt Hedges, he only had last season, he played 28 MLS games. He only had two yellow cards. His whole career, really. I think he's only been sent off once, but he's been a really disciplined defender. But in Toronto FC's system, we've seen defenders have to take some strategic <laughs> yellow cards sometimes. So that was I'm, setting, yeah. I'm setting his over-under right now at three and a half. Jeff, what do you think? I think over because he's our stay-at-home guy. So he might have to put out some fires by taking them tactical yellows. So I actually think that he might go over the 3.5 in this system. Mike? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll, I'll take the under or just about even um, on that. I, 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 like, I've i seen uh, Matt Hedges play quite a bit. I've watched FC Dallas games because I'm always intrigued about the young players that they're bringing up. Um, and you're right. Like, he does not card. Like, he's actually a very disciplined defender, a very good stand-up tackler, um, and generally doesn't put himself into positions where he needs to take these kind of tactical yellows. Now that's under an FC Dallas system and they played a little bit differently. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes, but I'll probably take the, to not sit on the fence. I'll take the under on that. And I'll hmm. say he's probably going to match two that he did last year. Sweet. Okay. There it is. Lorenzo Insigne. Here we go. When everybody's been waiting for it. That's the guy right now that uh, I think has a lot of pressure on his shoulders. Uh, this season, over under 18 and a half goals. So just for context, last season, he had six goals, two assists, and 11 appearances. Now, none of them were from the penalty spot, which I think mm-hmm. is important to mention. He obviously has the full preseason under, his, preseason under his belt, as we talked about earlier. And just last season, he was on pace for about eight, just just over 18 goals. So I'm setting his over under at 18 and a half this year. Jeff, what do you think? Under. I I don't think he's he's going to pot that many goals as much as he's going to assist. I think he's going to get those fox in the box kind of goals where you don't expect him to finish, but he does like crazy headers or like weird uh, volleys. But I don't see him as an out and out goal scorer. Uh, and... I think Feta will better him in the tally this year. So 18.5 is too high a number for me. Mike? Over just slightly, though. Um, I like it. Just yeah, we've got uh, our two wingers. We're scoring forty something goals. Well, just well I mean, I, well, like, and, and again, my reasoning <laughs> like, is, yeah. I, 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 no, and my reasoning is, I, I don't know if Diamande is going to be like. I do agree, he'll get on the end of those ones, but. Um, those chances that you talked about, Mike, in terms of those crosses in from Federico and um, from Insigne, but I think they're gonna—they're both going to be shooting a lot. Mm. Um, so from that perspective, I think it will be. It, it, I'll take the over. I'll say it's going to be like nineteen. I don't, okay. Nineteen. Soft over. That's golden boot territory. It is yeah, golden boot territory. territory I think. But I, I, Jeff, I'll, I'll counter you. I think he'll. I think his assist numbers will actually not be well, that high because I. Think oh really? Goal, I think they're going to be. St- Stupid. I think they're going to no, be stupid. Uh, no, I think that's going to be more Federico. And, and the reason okay. being is that um, I think he is going to be sort of tasked with more of the shooting role, being more of that, not quite a second striker, but, you know, in that sense, like definitely coming off that wing and shooting a lot more than the reverse Arian Robin. Let's bring it. Yeah. Bring it. Exactly. Yes, Doing that yeah. in, in, instead of um, what he would have done in Napoli, which is facilitate a bit more. So, okay. um, and, and you're right, Mike, I think he's going to feel that pressure to live up to the money um, and live yeah. up, not so much the money, but maybe the expectation that he's supposed to come in this league oh, and yeah. tear it apart. 
Yeah, I remember yeah. last at the end of last year, he was saying, "Man, he gets paid a lot, and he knows that it's his job to perform." So he's well aware of what comes with being a uh, Lorenzo Insigne in Toronto right now. Another guy who's going to be under a lot of pressure is Sean Johnson. I'm setting his over under at six and a half clean sheets. Ooh. That's a that's a that's a weird term in Toronto. Clean sheet, we mm-hmm. don't hear it very often. But let me just throw some stats out to I you love guys. This stat. I love this stat. So Sean Johnson, he's kept seven clean sheets in every year since 2017. Every single season with NYCFC since 2017. TFC, they only kept three clean sheets as a team last year. But I will add, those three clean sheets all came after the debuts of Bernardeschi, Insigne, Mark Anthony K and, and Richie Larea as well. So Jeff, I'll start with you. Six and a half clean sheets for Sean Johnson. Over. Let's give him his seven. Get him his flowers. Over. Seven clean sheets. That'll bring, be a bring, big upgrade for TFC. Huge. Humongous. Absolutely humongous. I don't quite believe it, but I'm taking the over anyway because I want if, I want all the clean sheets. If they get seven clean sheets, they're gonna be well in a playoff spot, is my prediction. Fantastic. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, over. Um, I, I think I think the team will be better defensively this year. I think for the reasons you mentioned earlier, right? The ability to keep possession better, not give away the ball in silly positions. That's what cost them a lot of goals last year was just giving the ball away in bad positions and then being forced to defend in transition and being terrible at it. And, um, and I think you cut a lot of that down if you have the players in the starting 11 that you have. So Tony's comments over. amazing. Tony's like, yeah, we're getting a bunch of clean sheets because there are more paws he's got to face. No chips. <laughs> Just dip. Yeah, yeah. James, like more Whirlpool dishwash is being handed out. Let's see, <laughs> this year. Let's see if they upgrade. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, next up is Mark Anthony K. We only got a couple more, but Mark Anthony yeah. K. Obviously, we, we know it's been tough for Mark Anthony K so far here in Toronto. He hasn't even scored a goal yet for Toronto FC, but... I, it's going to come. I'm going no, it's to it, it, it's gonna come for Toronto FC. I'm going to ask you guys, how will he score his first goal? What will be the method of him scoring his first goal? And I'll throw out the stats mm. right after that. Jeff, what do you think? Uh, I mean, the hipster pick is, <laughs> is a Victor Vasquez crotch, crotch special, because why not? Um, but uh, uh, I'm trying to think of like screamers that I saw him score with the Canadian men's national team. Uh, he tends a, to. I'll, I'll throw the stats out. Yeah, so he tends to favor his left foot, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, surprisingly, yeah. right? I don't think he's yeah. left footed. I think he's a right footed player. But out of his goals, I think, I think this is MLS goals. Seven of them were with his left foot, three of them with his right foot, and two headers. So he he can do it in a lot of different ways. What do we think? Yeah, I'm still ahead. going for the crotch one, just for funsies, just for shiggles. He's going to score with his crotch. Victor Vasquez special. Yeah, it's going to be a left foot late run in the box. Um, nice. That's what he was really good at at LAFC under Bob Bradley previous when he started really getting in the box scoring goals. Yeah, and I, I think that's what's going to be. You know, he's going to sort of come in late in the box and, and clean up some stuff, um, either from a Bernadeschi shot or Insigne shot or maybe even an Oso yeah. um, shot and pot it with his left foot. Um, and I, and I'll even, I'll even, I'll, I'll step up and I'll even say that he scores his first goal within the first three games of the season. Ooh, Damn. I like it. I like it. 
Wow, mm. like mean mugging after you said that too. Like, you're really passionate. Well, hey, that. Mac, if you're listening, you're on the you're on the clock now, bro. Mm. You gotta. You I'm gotta saying, get it. I'm I'm saying screamer. I think he had a couple opportunities last year outside the box where he showed he isn't afraid to take that. I'm mm. saying he hits a screamer, and the celly is just 45 yards right screamer. now. I like that. Okay, I'm the 45 yard, right? yeah. <laughs> 45 yard chip at the 25 yard, 20 yard. I'll take it. It's anything outside the box is what I'm calling right now. Love it. Right. Uh, Love DeAndre it. Kerr. He's a guy who I, I don't think gets enough love. I think he might be, aside from Jaquiel, the best prospect that Toronto FC has that's signed right now. Over under four and a half goals. Last season, he had three goals in 26 appearances. He missed um, at least the first part, or sorry, second part of training camp with a non-COVID illness. So what do you guys think? Under. Over under and four and a half simply- goals. Yeah, under yeah. And, and and under just simply because I don't think he's going to get the amount of appearances he got last year, right? It, like a lot of those appearances were in the first half of the season, um, and a lot of those goals were scored in the first half of the season. Um, I, I agree with you, Mike. I'm I'm still very high and very bullish on DeAndre Kerr, um, but I just I, I four goal four and a half five goals um, with maybe less appearances. I, I under. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he wears regular socks over, but considering he refuses to, then that, under, under. Absolutely. No shin guards. He's definitely not scoring five goals. I think you're, I think you're confusing with Kosi. Yeah, Kosi's the one with Kosi. Kosi okay, so he wears socks a thousand goals. He's going to be the golden boot winner <laughs> for the next <laughs> hundred years. I, 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 just, I, th- I think he's going to, so I think DeAndre Kerr is going to play a big role for Bob. Bradley. So do I, actually. I, I really mm-hmm. do. I okay. think Bob Bob's kind of touched on him a little bit. I think he could be a really well, where would he play him? Where do you think he'd play him? Because uh, he can play three middle. positions, right? He can be a midfielder. He could be a winger, or he could be an out and out striker. Exactly. So Toss I think any, any one of those positions, uh, I think he'll play, and he has the potential to drive forward. I, I think he he will score. He showed a couple of his goals just rewatching them last season. Absolute beauties. He has. Mm. He has a lot of potential. I love a lot of his starting points too. He's got that power, that pace. His first couple steps are electric. Yeah, I had a game really in DC high on last year. Career. Yeah, I think the game in DC last year. I think we drew, um, but he was like he like he could he was blowing by defenders and not yeah. like in the Alfonso Davies. He gets a big head start and blows by like off the dribble, first touch off the dribble, and just. Yeah blowing pipe by guys i, I want to say it was orlando when he was at bmo field and he, he cut in on the from his right and i think curled a shot with his left foot mm-hmm. into the into the corner it was it was a thing of beauty but I'm, I'm really really high on him. he's got him he's got him down for eight goals he's, a, he's a baller man tfc is scoring 66 goals this season <laughs> <Can't> <laughs> go against uh, so conceding 66 uh last season i love it I all love right this it. this one's this one's a really interesting one Mm, Richie Larea. Oh wow! Yeah, we just got a couple more. Richie gotcha. Larea. Will he stay past June? Yes. I don't know. Um, it, it looks like Nottingham Forest should be safe. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I won't say they will be safe. It, it's looking more like they should be safe. Um, yeah, let's see. Uh, yeah, so if there's a possibility that they strike a deal, um, I just wonder if Force ask for a transfer fee, right? Like, what what is the transfer fee going to be, um, and will TFC be willing to pay it? Um, that that's that's the the thing. 
I'm going to lean towards yes. I, I think something will get worked out, but I could also see a scenario where the asking price might be too high from Nottingham Forest. Yeah, they got they got it. They got us bent over over a knee with this one. So yeah, I can see that that being being prohibitive. But we got money. Uh, better spend. I can't think of a better Here's way to a question. spend it than Richie. Here's a question, Mike. You might know this mechanism in the league better than I do, but mm-hmm. if, if TFC pay a fee for him will will part of that make him not quite a dp player like will they have enough to buy down the 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 buy essentially right because they would have have to to do that they would have to do that right right and they would have to pay if they're paying a transfer fee for him it would count against the salary budget charge Mm -hmm. prorated depending on the just how long his contract is so you have a million your contract's five years it's an extra two hundred thousand on your salary budget charge so they can buy down that full amount of a million uh, using all these allocation money, so two hundred thousand a year. So it's actually not too too much. And just hypothetically, that would say that'd be the number if they wanted to just to break even for Nottingham Forest. But maybe they won't even care if they stay in the Premier League and they make a bunch of money. Maybe yeah. that doesn't doesn't necessarily yeah. matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say yes. I yep. think unequivocally yes. He's you've been be saying staying. it forever. That's why I say yeah, yes. You've been saying that for a while. Yeah, I think yeah. there's a there's a handshake agreement there, but we'll see. Sweet. We'll see how that plays out. Sweet. All right, Lucas McNaughton. What a guy! Lovable. Honestly, Lovable. almost forgotten about so far uh, this preseason. But heading into the new year, Lucas McNaughton over under five and a half yellow cards. He's been a guy. Over. He's not afraid to get stuck in. No, he's not afraid to to play on the. And then yeah. you kind of like that out of your your center back a little bit. Mm-hmm. At least one of them. Uh, I'm saying last season he had six yellow cards and 25 appearances. So his over under set at five and a half right now. Over. 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 Easy. Easy. Over. Easy. Yeah. And then don't, don't get me wrong. I, I don't think that necessarily means like he's a bad or dirty player. I just think, no, like, no, like, I love that. Yeah, no, he'll no. get stuck in and, and absolutely stuck in. You'll get a card out of him. And but that's assuming. Not- so you're assuming right now that he's going to play a lot then. Because he had uh, like Liga 20, versus Liga MX, like seven, yeah, that's yeah, seven yellows MLS, in the first half. Right? Like between, no, that's fine. Five yeah, and a half between Canadian Championship, between League's Cup, between the league, right? Like I think there's enough opportunities to find him minutes because you're going to want to give, you know, especially Matt Hedges, you're probably going to want to give him some time off here and there. I know Matt Hedges has been pretty sturdy and durable through his career, aside from the one year where he, you know, had a really big injury, but. You know, uh, I, I to me, I actually think Lucas McNaughton from a from a, a player, I would probably play him a little over Shade O'Neill. Um, but um, especially as you need you want a left footer um, in there, um, and he's really good in the air as well. Like he's probably your best air. We'll see about Matt Hedges, but he's probably your best aerial threat in 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 the team in terms Sigur of Sigurdsson. Like I, I haven't Sigur seen Rosted him, so I, I don't know, right? Like I, I, I haven't seen him. Like so. even Bob talked about it, so about calling him like an aerial threat. And from what I've seen, he's a really big aerial threat. Um, I think it's worth pointing out. I think I disagree with you. I agree with you. Where I think Lucas McDonald's ceiling is probably higher than Shane O'Neill's. I think Shane O'Neill is probably the third center back on this team just because he is very safe. And we have to remember he had some really good stints last year for TFC when he was thrown in. And talking to Thomas Romero actually earlier this week, I asked him who's the most vocal person you would say in TFC's back line. And it didn't take him long to bring up Shane O'Neill's name. I think mm. he's a very important part of wow. TFC and, and their back line and what they're trying to accomplish. And Bob Bradley loves, loves Shane O'Neill. So Sweet. Yeah. 
I, I I'm going to take under here because I just don't think he's going to get as many minutes as he got last season. Um, last one, Jaquil Marsha Ruddy. Over under 900 minutes played this season. And just for context, last year, he paid 613 minutes in 17 appearances. Over under 900. Jeff, I'll start with you. Under 900 is too close to 1,000. That's ser- that that's proper meaningful serious. Jaden Nelson got two thousand last year. Yeah, uh, I just I don't see it. I I I think if you'd said eight hundred, I may have gone over somewhere between eight and nine. But you know, there's not a lot. There's only a hundred between nine and a thousand. I I I just can't see it happening. I I think he'll, he'll log less minutes than that. Yeah, I'm probably gonna have to agree with jeff here um and the and the reason i'm going to say that is again i really do think that the starting 11 that as we sort of i think we all have pretty much constructed for the start of the season will play the lion's share of the minutes which means to get to that 900 you're going to have to give jaquil you know what five starts yeah close to that like yeah I just, the know, math doesn't work for me the, the maybe even a little less right like but like i guess i i don't know if he's gonna start as many games um i think he will play minutes like i think he'll come off the bench and 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 play minutes will he get enough starts will he get to 900 i yeah. I, i'm i'm kind of i'm gonna say under just for the sake of an answer i i i could be it could be close though i think it yeah. could be close yeah, I think it's I, I think it's over. I think it's over. I think TFC Sweet. know that they need to develop this kid and give this kid minutes, um, not just potentially to sell him on, but potentially just for themselves. I think they they really have to get him, for lack of a better word, back on track. Um, hmm. And I think this year is a really important year for him. Well, again, where does he play? Like, are you now mainly so playing him as Bob a right is, wing back? Bob has touched on they've tried him in a couple different places. Uh, so right back, right wing back, obviously, and then higher up the pitch as well. Whether that be right wing or in the midfield, like they've they've tried some different things with Jaquil. So his versatility may come into play, and that's why I'm saying over. Okay, okay. Long may hope you're right. Love yeah, to see because right he needs the minutes. All right, cool. Well, that's the end of this this segment, guys. Let us know in the chat if you guys enjoyed that. If you did, we'll or give us comments, feedback after for those that are listening to this on the podcast. If you did, we'll we'll do part two of this and we'll go mm-hmm. through the rest of the roster and we'll revisit our picks later on and and see how we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, that was a lot of fun. Um, I'm going to be horribly wrong on some of these things. It's going <laughs> to be just a great laugh yeah, um, yeah. when you come back and it's like, oh, actually, Federico only scored 14, but Insigne ended up, you know, scoring 32 <laughs> and breaking the, the league's goal scoring record. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. All right, um, let's finish off the show, guys, with more predictions. Um, but it, in terms of tfc and where we think they're going to finish so i'm going to ask you guys a simple mm. yes or no question okay it's not where they're going to finish in the table let's we're not even going to get into that the the simple question is will toronto fc make the playoffs and michael Singh, i'll start with you and you know how i've done this it's i've said they could either be really good or they can be really bad will they make the playoffs with the new format, I'm going to say, yeah, they're going to make the playoffs. They'll be a top nine team in the Eastern Conference. I don't think that's a that's an outrageous take at all. Yeah, yeah, have to. Yeah. Anything less, anything less is 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 unacceptable. So yeah, 
Yeah, I think they'll make it. Um, I actually think, and I've come around on this. Originally, I was a bit concerned, and I actually thought there was a good chance that they don't make the playoffs because I feel like too many things would have to go perfectly right for this. I have changed my mind and thought about this a little bit more. And I think that they're going to make the playoffs. And I actually think they could make a shield run this year. Virtual um, Gomez. Yes, here, yep. Here's, yeah, here's yeah. the reasoning. I want to go to my reasoning because like, obviously that's like one, one big swing to another. <laughs> um, so I, I recognize that. I think when you look at the durability of some of that, uh, let's Mark Anthony K and Jonathan Soria, we know about, right? We do, mm-hmm. we do know about the, the injury history there. Marks. Question marks for sure. I do think this team, though, has a bit more of, um, and John Molnero talked about it in his comments, a bit more of a backbone uh, in terms of being able to deal with adversity. And I, I think that gives this team a little bit more of a push towards being closer to the top of the, the table in the Eastern Conference. Will they win the Shield? I'm going to go and say no. Um, I really do think Philadelphia are going to be the class again. I, I think they're just right now too well-oiled and machine, too good. Um, they can they can grind out one nil results. They can beat you six nil. They there's a lot of different ways they can win games. I think TFC this year will actually be a team that grinds out probably more results than blows teams away. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? That that's how you end up becoming the TFC of 2017 is you start yep. to learn how to grind out results and then you find ways to blow. You got to win in different ways. Yeah. yeah, exactly. 100%. And that, and, and I think that's what this TFC team this, this year will be. The obviously big asterisk here is you can't have Frederico or Insigne go out for long periods of time, right? If, if they do, then that starts to become a little tougher. Um, but I think they can, can, with the higher ends of the Eastern Conference uh, and they should make the playoffs. And I think, you know, if, if again, if things go right, if things go the way I think they could go, then they could be pushing um, for shield contention. Love it. All right, we'll clip that and post that. In yeah, yeah. I'm happy. Hey, look, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, right? Like, hey, that's that's one of those things, right? But I do think this team will make the playoffs. Like, I, 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 I do really- agree. I do agree with what you said about Insignia Bernadeschi and they're, they're gambling, right? Big time on these two players. It's not a terrible gamble, but if one or both of them go down at some point this year, I think TFC are screwed. Oh, we're screwed. So screwed. So yeah, unbelievably, right? massively screwed. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Next. Absolutely. All it right. It will be a fun uh, year, fellas. It will be a fun year. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Uh, obviously, we'd love to hear your thoughts on what you think the scene is going to be. So hit us up um, at Toronto till I die on Twitter um, in the comments, obviously um, like subscribe review uh, the podcast and the show, wherever you get the show, whether it's be podcast or live version um, big news uh, coming up. Tunnel club will be back. So myself, Sean Levely will be back with season two of the Twitter spaces reaction show. Um, our first episode will be this Sunday. So we will be reacting to Saturday's, game against dc united we're finalizing the time originally it was going to be 11 but united have a cup to win um so i need to go watch that Um, also an old firm eh alison johnson versus uh what's his name scott arfield yeah uh, (laughs) (laughs) the rangers um uh so follow uh the tunnel club uh, on twitter at tfc tunnel club (laughs) for the show link and the show time 
uh, and we'll uh, get that out for you. Um, thank you for listening to another episode of Toronto Till I Die. Thank you to John Molinaro again for coming on the show and imparting his wisdom. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. I think we'll be back on Monday, boys, um, yeah. to recap the opening week of the MLS season. Um, and other than that, for Jeffrey P. Nesker and for Michael Singh, I'm Mike Newell. See you next week. Cheers, everybody. And wait, and wait, and baby, I'm TFC till I die.